Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Donaldson Files Tuesday edition, and it is ladies' night. So this is pretty much the Cocoa Hour. Uh, we're going to talk relationships. Uh, I know she's got some ideas that she's going to share with us, and we got some scenarios we'll talk about. So if you want to call in, 646-929-0130, 646-929-0130. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you can listen to this show and other shows on the Bachelor News Radio Network. All you got to do is go to thebachelornews.airtime.pro, bachelornewsairtime.pro. So I just want people to, you know, so you can do all that. And don't forget you can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, and TuneIn.com. So a lot of great programs, a lot of great ways to listen to this show. And of course, on Block Talk Radio every Tuesday and Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern uh, Standard Time, and uh, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, or as we like to say, Coco Time. So, Coco Time. Coco Time, that's right, <laughs> Coco Time. <laughs> wow, you know yeah. what? It, it's a record. This is like my second, this is my second week in a row host, like co hosting. That's like unusual. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Well, like I like to say we got well, all kinds of things, and that, yeah. So I'll tell you what. Well, uh, I was gonna say it's father. It was Father's Day, Tom. It was Father's Day this weekend. Yeah. Um, how was your Father's Day? Let's start off with actually, that. Well, actually, it was nice and relaxing. We did. Uh, we uh, we went to a movie. Uh, we saw the Hitman. Nice. Body, what was it? The Hitman's Wife Bodyguard. The him, his, yeah, how was that? Did you like it? Actually, I loved it. I mean, I loved it. I mean, it was okay. great. It awesome. Was, I'll check it out. Uh, I mean, I'll like I out. say, you got Morgan Freeman, and, and it's like Samuel Jackson is great. Uh, you know, Selma Hayek is great. You know, she yeah. plays her role perfectly as the wife of Sam. Yeah. Uh, Morgan Freeman, it, you know, he's got his, let's just say he's quite a surprise, and there's a a great scene where you know Samuel Jackson, Morgan Freeman meet, and he, you know, Samuel yeah. Jackson finds out that Morgan Freeman is Ryan Reynolds, Reynolds' uh, father, or actually stepfather, but he doesn't. And and of course he doesn't know stepfather. Yeah. He just he he's sitting there looking at Ryan, looking at him, and it's just hilariously funny. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's great. It, like, no, I, I, I mean, you I have to see the, the you have to see the scene. To understand right. what Samuel Jackson is trying to say or get to, so uh, yeah. I'll have to I'll have to uh, check it out. Uh, did your wife get you anything good for Father's Day? Well, but she got me some uh, what I call summer wear for PJs. So <laughs> new summer wear for PJs. I, so my my Father's Day was awesome. Um, I said hi to my dad. Um, although hilariously enough, he didn't reply back to me, but he texted. Steve, which I'm like, okay, why? Um, second of all, 
um, I decided a couple weeks prior to this uh, Father's Day, I'm sitting on the couch with Steve, and he sees this ad for this ninja foodie. And he's like, oh, my God, that looks so cool. So, obviously, I knew what I was going to get him. You know, all he did was point at this commercial saying, like, I want that. And I'm like, done, easy. And uh, I don't know if you know, do you know what a ninja foodie is, Tom? No, I do not. Okay, so if you like to cook, if you like to cook or, you know, you like to cook but you don't really have time, um, I I 100% like think people should get this. It is the most ingenious device I have ever, ever played with. It's like an Instapot. It's an air fryer. It's a dehydrator. It makes yogurt. It bakes cakes. And it's in the it's like a, it's in the shape of an Instapot. It's like it's insane. I the other day we made uh chick I, I I did a whole frozen chicken, and I just put it in the Instapot or in the air fryer thing, and it was done within like ten minutes. Like mm-hmm. the cooking time, it's like you literally could just like put something in there and it'll make it for you, and then ten minutes later it's done. It's like super easy. So uh, that's what I got him. I got it for him, but I'm the one using it the most. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Oh, cool. So. So and, and I don't know if you. Know, huh? Go hey, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, and it was it was Prime Day yesterday. It was Amazon Prime Day, and uh, we ended up like getting a an amazing blender that was like on sale. It was like a, a Vitamix blender, and those things are the Rolls Royces of blenders. Like these blenders can go all the way up to like 800 bucks. They're like insanely expensive. Um, but they had a really good deal on Prime Day. So I know everyone's been talking about Prime Day. I don't know if you bought anything from Prime Day, but the deals they no, had yesterday not. were just like, it was like, it was like Black Friday deals. It was insane. Like I think the blender we got was like 75% off, like brand new. Yeah. It was insane. So uh, I always take advantage of Prime Day, but uh, no, Father's Day was good. We uh, we went out to eat. Um, we watched the new Loki series. I don't know if you've seen it yet, Tom, but no, it is I, amazing. Yeah. It is amazing. I'm a big nerd when it comes to that. Um, and I have been like pretty busy. Um, I just started. I'm starting my own uh, dog bakery from home. So I've been doing that. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's, it's been kind of crazy. I've, I've already gotten orders in to make these treats and these cakes. So um, my life has just taken a 180. <laughs> it really has. So let me ask, yeah, let me ask you. So are you now doing something different, additional? Yeah. To have everything yeah. else done. Well, if, if it takes off, if it takes off, obviously I'm going to spend like the majority of my time doing this. Um, but I, I would bake like these cupcakes for dogs or whatever. And people like would keep asking me like, you know, Oh, this is like really good. So you should sell it. So I was like, you know what? I kind of want to do that. <laughs> so, um, I, I got the name branded and everything and it's still, I'll be ready to launch. Um, just the website will be ready to launch probably this Friday. Um, I will, I'm not picking like any more orders right now just because I have like seven or eight to fulfill. Um, for at least the next month. So um, things are looking like actually really good. Uh, I thought it was like, you know, something I, cause I, I've always wanted to work from home still. 
no matter what I do. And so yeah. I thought this would be a really fun, fun thing for me to do. So that's what I've been up to. Okay. Well, let me ask you, what is the difference between a dog cupcake and a human cupcake? Anything? Well, there's, there's a lot of difference. Um, there's no sugar added. Um, it's, it's basically ingredients. Like the ingredients that I use are what you can, you can, you can technically eat it too as a human, but I wouldn't recommend it because it like dogs taste buds are like none compared to humans. Like, you know, so, I mean, would you eat dog food? No, probably not. But to a dog, it tastes delicious. And so yeah. the ingredients that I, I normally use, um, I don't do anything with like grains because uh, I know, I know a lot of dogs cannot eat grains because it's bad for them. And a lot of them that get sick from it. So what I focus is on what I focus on is uh, vegan, um, gluten free, grain free. So I mean, it, it's it's a lot of like different flavors. It's not like just sweet flavors. A lot of them are savory, yeah. and I'm also making dog treats, like doggy bag treats for that. Um, like one of the things that I'm making is a peanut butter bacon um, treat because I, I know my dog loves peanut butter and he loves bacon. So um, that's like one of my best ones that I have. So it's just like, it's a, it's a, it's a fun experience. It's definitely okay. a fun experience. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, hold on. I thought this time down to the Donaldson Files with Coco Kowski is ladies night, relationship night here on the Donaldson Files and the Bachelor News Radio Network. You might know me. I'm 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are a few in the six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger's too close for us to ignore. So visit feedingamerica.org slash hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent, and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Actually, in this segment, uh, for the next 15 minutes, will be sponsored by Buffalo Wild Wings. Do you want to become a sponsor of the Donaldson Files? Here's what you need to do. You email labachelor40 at gmail.com, labachelor40 at gmail.com. Here's what you're going to get to become the gold standard, the gold standard of, of promotion. You get, you'll be getting free ads. You'll get two mentions. You'll get a two mentions at the beginning, at the end of the show that you're sponsor that you're the sponsor of the entire hour, and Coco and I will actually uh, say nice things about you, and you can come on the air once a month and talk about your products, or talk about your business, or talk about anything else every month for one segment. So that's how you do it, and don't forget, ladies and gentlemen. The Bachelor News Airtime Pro. You can listen to this show and any of the other shows on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Also catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Ankle, and TuneIn.com. 
Now we're back here to the Donaldson Files and the Bachelor News Radio Network. And before we get into the, uh, uh, you know, into your part of the show, there's one thing I do want to kind of talk about. Uh, speaking of Father's Day, and it's a story about my dad. And, you know, my dad was one of these guys. He traveled quite a bit. He was in, you know, uh, but every week, you know, but he always made sure if he's in town, he would show up to whatever events we may have as children. And I remember my senior year, uh, we were at a track meet at the T.C. Williams uh, Invitational track meet. You know, it was, and for those people, you know, just to kind of give you a little headline here, T.C. Williams this is, if you ever saw the movie, Remember the Titans? Uh, yes. Well, this was the high school that was sponsoring the event. So, and this was like one year after, you know, they won their championship in which the movie's based on. So, and, and I, and I, and I got to set up the story because basically, you know, it's one of those things we have a, you know, we were at the distance medley for those people in track. The distance medley is basically, uh, you start off at a half mile. A uh, quarter mile, three quarters of a mile, and then the last leg is a mile, and 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 so ba- and so we went. And the thing is, to give you the cast of characters, you know, my coach was Barry Blake, who was nicknamed the Bear. Guy was big, strong. He used to play linebacker for West Virginia. For those people who may remember the great Sam Huff. Sam Huff was a teammate of his at West Virginia. And then you had a, the guy mm-hmm. running the meet, Jack Lord. <laughs> and just show you the kind of personality Jack Lord was, when he would show up to a meet, he'll say, the meet has begun because the Lord is here. So, so this gives you kind of an idea of Jack Lord's personality. Well, here's the thing. We kind of reported to the wrong site a little bit later than what we should have. They were going to disqualify us. You know, Blake, you know, Coach Blake goes up to Jack Lawrence and says, you know, they just say, come on, let these guys in. They get into an argument. You know, they're just going at each other. They're, you know, you know, Blake walks away. Jack Lord walks away. And suddenly my dad came out of the stands, and he said, Mr. Lord, can I talk to you a second? And Lord looks at him. For some reason, he went over and saw my dad. He said, you know, look, I understand rules are rules. And he was very calm, and he said, but here's the thing. This is their moment. They train for this. We're here for them. And, yeah, they made a mistake. They reported the wrong place. But why don't we just let them run so that the work they did would be fine? Remember, Jack, we're in it for the kids. And Jack Lord turned around, and he says, okay, you guys are back in. And we finished third place. We set a school record. But I'll never forget that because, I mean, he literally, you know, saved us, you know, for not, you know, from being, you know, not getting us back. He got us back in the race. You know, and the fact that he was there made the effort and just basically saved us. And it's one of those things I always remember about my dad. I don't know if you got any stories about your parent, your dad, but I mean, that's one of many stories, but that's one I always cherish the most. All right. You guys want to know a good story about my father? Um, yes. There's so many. My dad is an amazing person. He, he is a movie producer out here in Hollywood. Um, He's been in the business since the late 60s, Um, and he has such fascinating stories of old Hollywood that he's worked with. Um, One of 
a fam our family's really really good close friend was Burt Reynolds. Um, I used to call him Uncle Burt because he was like my uncle. Um, and there is a story though. Don't know if I should tell this one. Um, Go ahead. I'll, I'll blank out name. I'll, bl- I'll I'll blank out names for you guys. I'll blank out names. So, in the eighties, Miami. Um, I was not born yet. My dad was had this guy who worked for him, and um, let's just call him David. We'll call him David. So uh, David was his PA, which is a, a production assistant. You know, helps around the sets, all that. And uh, you know, he 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 was a very I don't want to say the word bum because he wasn't obviously, but he was very like kept to himself. Um, he would dress like in rags. He lived in this like really tiny studio apartment in Miami, in Miami Beach. And so one day there's a knock on my parents' house and my dad opens up the door and it goes, guy goes, excuse me, sir, I'm with the FBI. My dad's like, my dad thought it was a joke, you know, like, okay, well, why is the FBI? He's like, first of all, like, my dad didn't open the door and let him in. My dad grabbed his gun. Because, <laughs> like, during this time in Miami in the 80s where he was living, people were being robbed. Like, people who lived, like, in uh, the nice, affluent kind of areas were being robbed. So, obviously, my dad gets his gun, holds it. He goes, show me your badge number. So, the guy's like, okay, okay. So, he shows him his badge number. So, he's finally, he, my dad calls the FBI goes, you know, is this certain somebody, somebody that works for you guys? They're like, yes, that's one of our agents. So, he actually lets him in. And so my dad's like, well, what can I do for you? Agent's like, well, we're going to have to ask you to pack a bag and come with us. They are not telling my dad what's the reason. They're just telling him that he has to come with them. Um, and obviously, like, I mean, if that was you, Tom, you'd be pretty freaked out. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's be real. That, you'd be like, be what the F? Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, absolutely. So, so they get him on this plane, the FBI plane, this private plane. And um, they they ask him like, oh, do you know David so and so? He goes, yeah, he's my he's my PA. He's like, okay, thank you very much. And and so they're just like, my dad's like, well, wait, wait, what is going on? So I'm not I am not making this part up. What happens next? I am not making this up. This literally happened. Um, my dad walks into a room that one of the FBI agents uh, buildings or whatever, and they walks into a room. And there's about $10 million in cash stack up in that room. And my dad being my dad literally cracked the joke in front of like all these FBI agents saying like, Oh great. We're going to play some poker. Um, that did not go over well. That did not go over well. That was, he's like, and so the FBI agent he was with was like, no, it's okay. He's, he's okay. Now remember I told you earlier about this David and how yeah. he dressed in rags. Well, my dad goes to court, doesn't know what the hell's going on. Um, turns out this uh he sees David and he's in an Armani suit with seven lawyers, like top, top Miami lawyers. Well, as it turned out, David wasn't just a PA. That was actually his cover. He was Miami's number one drug dealer one of the top drug dealers in Miami in the 80s. And he used my dad as, you know, saying the reason why 
he was a drug dealer was to for a movie that my dad was producing. Um, so you can imagine that's like that's just like and then the 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 next part is uh, years later, years later. Um, I was already born by then. I guess my dad ran into David. He ran into him and he goes, um, and, and like and David like my dad's like freaking out like oh my god this guy's gonna kill me because he ended up being sent away to prison. And no, like David was just like, no, man, I'm really sorry to rope you into that. You know, I totally understand. It's all good. I was like, I, he told me that story when I was like 12 years old. And I, I still, I'm, I'm like 33 now. And I'm still what the fuck about that. Like, how does that even happen? So that's just one of the many stories that my father has. And I know my father loves telling these stories. Um, and they're all true. He's, he's worked with every single great Great actor, great, uh, great director from Fellini to, you know, um, not so great people. Um, but yeah, my dad has an insane story. And uh, I've always told him he should write a book because like of his life in Hollywood in the 70s, the 80s and the 60s. And, you know, he's just a really fascinating person. <laughs> he really is. Yeah. So that's hmm. the story of yeah. David. Oh, okay. That's, all true. That's kind of, all true. Well, you know, the, all true. Well, you don't think I'm, I'm thinking of that, but Joe, the 1980s was also the uh, Miami Vice, the show Miami Vice. Right. Which, right. Yeah. And, and certainly, you know, Miami was one of those locations where, you know. Oh yeah. It was like, it was if I'm not mistaken, the entry point of, uh, uh, you know, the yeah the entry point for. Uh, Cocaine in the the eighties, if yeah. I remember correctly. Well, yeah, that's what so, he sold. That's what this David guy sold. He sold cocaine to like millionaires. So, well, so that's right. a well, story. That's a pretty good story. Now, who was real Thank quick you. before we go? Uh, who was his favorite actor or actors or people he worked with? Does he have any group of people you would say, "Hey, these were the best guys I worked with"? Yes, Robert Downey Jr. Um, Robert's a very close friend of ours. Um, this man is 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 not uh, to say that Robert Downey Jr. is a genius is a, a huge understatement. Yeah. To say that because um, a lot of people obviously know him from Chaplin or like the Marvel movies or whatever. Yeah. But what a lot of people people don't know is this man sings opera. It's one of the things he mm. loves to do. Um, he has a memory. An insane, an insane memory. I had remembered one time I was visiting him, and he was doing a film, and they had tasked him. They they had just they had just they had just changed the script, all new lines, you know, not like he had, he had a bunch of lines in them. Um, and the guy hands him the paper. He looks down. He he reads it for maybe about like a couple seconds. Within those couple seconds, he got the he he knew the whole script. That's how much of a genius this man is. And he's been through a lot. I think a lot of people know him because of his struggles with, uh, with drug abuse and all that. But he's one of the kindest, most smartest uh, people like I I personally know. So um, Mm -hmm. also Bert, Bert, Bert Reynolds. Um, Bert's an interesting, Bert was, um, he died, fortunately. Yeah. Um, but he was always a very interesting person. He uh, 
he he you know at, at, at his height he was the most paid he was like the rock he was the most yeah. paid hollywood actor there was and then unfortunately um when his divorce happened he lost everything and he was actually bankrupt for a long time of his life um like he ended up having to move to his dad's house i know not a lot of people know about that mm-hmm. um but yeah he was uh he was in a lot of trouble money wise um because of who who the divorce was and all that so it was really messy um yeah but there's so many good actors that he's worked with um oh oh god ernest Bornine. ernest was a oh. really good 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 actor um there's terrence stamp I'm trying to think oh, of the okay, good yeah. ones. Like he's worked with a lot. He's he's also worked with a lot of shitty ones too. So I'm not naming them. Um, yeah. Um, oh oh, Robocop guy. What's his name? Uh, Peter. Oh my gosh, Peter. 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 Oh my god. Oh. I know who you're talking he's about. He's gonna kill me that about. I don't. I I know he's gonna kill me that I I don't remember his name. <laughs> um, Peter Welling. Super nice. Peter Welling. Peter Welling. Peter Welling. That's Peter Welling. Yeah, not only that, but if uh, I so remember I, correctly, I, you know, Peter Weller was also, isn't you know, I don't know that he's also a professor at Syracuse University. Sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. Let me just see. Uh, I'm gonna look this one up because I know that. Uh, well, anyways, Peter's a super nice guy. I mean, there are a lot of nice people, yeah. and like obviously, I was really lucky to grow up around all them. Like I grew up around yeah. them. Like that that's who I used to like hang out yeah. when they would come over and be like, Oh, there's Peter, there's Robert, there's Ornest. Um, yeah. one of my favorites, I I'll say one of my favorites that I ever got to meet and got to uh really sit down and talk yeah. to was Jonathan Winters. Mhm. Well I bet that would be kind of fun. Jonathan Winters yeah. was the most hilarious person I ever met. Um I had met him, right? I knew him like in yeah. the early 2000s, but I, I had yeah, met on, him right before yeah, he died. On, uh, yeah, hold on that thought. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to Jonathan Myers yeah. right after this. This is Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Piles here at the Bachelor News Radio Network. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent, one and 260,000. The odds of this born racer having 157 career top 10 finishes in NASCAR? One in 125 billion. But every driver seeks the pinnacle of their achievements. The odds of him winning both the Daytona 500 and the Brickyard 400 in the same year? One in 195 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism one in 88. I'm NASCAR driver Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. 
Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Voidware prohibited. Yeah, don't forget Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, every Thursday they have their boneless chicken wing special. Uh, for every order you get, you get a free one. Uh, so Buffalo Wild Wings. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, you can listen to this show and other great shows on thebachelornews.airtime.pro, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, and TuneIn.com, and just some of the places where you can listen to this show along with the podcast at any time. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the Bachelor News Radio Show with your host, L.A. Bachelor. He discusses race, politics, policing, injustice, inequality, religion, and sports. Affecting brown, black, and poor people negatively. Listen every Monday and Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern, daylightradio.la-bachelor. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, look at our schedule on the bachelornews.airtime.pro. And you can listen to that show and other great shows, along with You and the Law, which follows us on this particular network, and you can listen to it anytime. So great shows here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We're going to conclude with the Jonathan Winter story, and then we're going to yes. go right in. To, and then I've got, I've got a list of questions here for Coco to answer. Okay, go ahead. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, yeah, John, John, Jonathan Winters, he, oh, he was so fantastic. Um, I remember uh, we were, I was at a party and he was there and, you know, I wasn't really talking to anyone and I had a plate of salad. I, I'll never forget this. I had a plate of salad and, uh, he starts berating me and he grabs, he kicks my plate, he dumps it and he just like, he literally, there's, in the, and there's a carving board of turkey and like roast beef. It was like really elegant, like the way it was set up and he got me like every single piece of meat he goes there now eat <laughs> oh my god I, I i i i honestly i adored that man so so much he was he was one he was not one of the the to me the, the funniest person i know i know so um i was really sad when he died but a lot a lot of people don't know about john i mean unless you Unless you grew up in that that time, and obviously, you know, he suffered from mental illness. He suffered from um, bipolar. Um, he had, mm-hmm. you know, he he was he was in a in a mental hospital for a lot of time of his life, um, especially when he was young, was a young kid. So, um, you know, he went through a lot. I mean, there's a reason why Robin Williams, um, you know, that was Robin Williams' idol. You know, he idolized Jonathan Winters. I actually remember one time Robin Williams actually stopped by on set um, to see him. So that was actually really cool that I got to meet him too. Um, yeah. But yeah, these 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 are like these 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 are comedy geniuses. <laughs> they really are. Um, yeah, they are. So I, I got to hang out with pretty much old Hollywood growing up, which I thought pretty that was pretty damn cool. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's kind of cool. All right. Okay. So now here's the question. Uh, I don't know what you have planned, but here's some questions that we can. Is this? I mean, I, I know you and your boyfriend have had some issues health wise. Uh-huh. He's had his back. Oh my god. 
Yeah. And you've had your series. So here's the question I'm going to throw back to you. You know, you know if the relationship for best, you know, for the better or for worse, well, last couple of months you guys have had the worst as far as physical <laughs> health goes. So let me ask yeah. you a question. How that, so how's that impact the relationship? You know, if you sat back and looked back now, because I know he's feeling better, correct? It's, you oh, know, the my physical God, therapy he's so is much fun. better. He's so much yeah. better and really a miracle, yeah. to be honest. It's It was scary. Yeah. yeah. But, okay, let me answer the question. So how does this all, first of all, impact both of your relationships when you're in that situation well, where neither one 100% and you pretty well, much here, take care of yourself? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It was like when he started with his back, um, you know, I was doing everything for him, you know, I was like helping him with everything. Um, He started sleeping on the couch, and he's literally been there for like three months, because um, the bed that we have, it's way too soft. Like, sometimes it's even soft for me. So I can't imagine with someone who has a dislocated disc to be comfortable sleeping on a bed like that. So like, I totally got that. That was fine. Um, You know, the thing that sucked most was like when he, when he finally booked his physical therapy, um, they weren't going to see him for three weeks. And that was really hard because it was to the point where he didn't know what the, what the hell he was going to do. You know, he can't work. He can't, you know, and when he does work, yeah. it's like very little time because, you know, you, if you ever had back issues, like it, it's, it's not fun. Yeah. It's really not fun. It, it's very painful. I mean, there were times where, like, he had, like, these back spasms, and he would just, like, be on the floor, and it was it was super scary. It really was. Um, and then I had what is known as an ovarian cyst, um, with people that have polycystic ovarian disorder, which is what I have, PCOS. Um, it tends to happen, and the pain that I was in – this is so ridiculous how sick I was this, this month. It, it, it's actually, it's kind of laughable now. Um, I at first was, you know, they said, oh, you're going to need 48 hours of rest. And I thought like, oh, crap, I'm going to miss like two days of work. That was on the 7th. I didn't get better till the 18th. I didn't start, I mean, it, it all started. Then then they're like, okay. And then I guess I, 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 was, on, I was under so much stress this past month with everything that's been happening around me that it developed into like this, this ulcer stomach flu where I was vomiting. Like I was, I, I, I was throwing up, I would say four or five times a day for 12 days. And I ended up losing 19 pounds because of it. (laughs) I was so sick. Um, And it was to the point, Tom, you know, when you're in a car and you get motion sickness, yeah. You know, the motion sickness feeling. Okay. Yeah. It was like that, but every day and every hour, there was not a day that I did not feel like I had to throw up. And the only time I wasn't feeling nauseous was when I was, when I was sleeping. And so obviously my doctors are worried, but they couldn't figure out like the doctors still to this day, haven't exactly figured out what happened to me, which is really scary. Um, I ended up having to get a CT scan and, you're you're in the field, you know, you cannot get that many yeah. CT scans in your life. You can't. Those are the radiation. So I've already have two. I've already had two CT scans in my life. So that yeah. was like the last thing I wanted was a CT scan. Like I'm never getting another one. I don't care. I I do not like yeah. them. Um. So basically, what happened was this. I was just like on fluids. Um. You know, 
I, I just remember being in so much pain, Tom. I, this is actually kind of a funny story. I was in so much pain. Uh, it was like three in the morning, and I'm lying on my dog's bed because he's sleeping somewhere else. I'm lying on his bed like I have, I have like excess of vomit coming down me. It's disgusting. And what does my dog do? He brings me his ball because he wanted to play fetch. And I'm like sitting yeah. there dying, and I'm like, no, I can't do this right now. Like, I could be laying down on the floor, like, dripped in blood, and he would still bring me his ball to play fetch because whenever you sit down on the floor, to him, that's a signal that we're going to play fetch. So mm-hmm. that that was my month, Tom. That was my month. It was the month well, of okay. yeah, okay. It really Here's was. The, I mean, the question that I would ask you, though, would you sit back and say, now that you've gone through this, that the two of you mm-hmm. got closer, is that there a point where – you know, uh, we've always changed. been really Wait. close. But okay, maybe what I'm trying to ask I is, think, it, did it affect our effect, relationship? Did it affect your relationship? And no, basically I think it, it kind of brought us. I think it got brought closer because, like, we always now know we can definitely rely on each other. Um, I mean, I was, I, I, he got mad at me though. He got so pissed. Um, it was rightfully so though. Now that I think about it, I look back, he got so pissed because my doctor had put me on this really bland diet and I didn't listen. And then like, he found out, like I went to get like something to eat that wasn't approved in my diet and he got so mad at me. <laughs> it was so yeah. dumb, but you know, cause he's like, obviously he wants to take care of myself and like be healthy. And like, I wasn't doing, you know, I wasn't being healthy at all. I was just like, I don't care. I'm yeah. starving. And, um, but no, um, and the same thing with him. Like if, if he did the same thing, like with him going bowl, if he went bowling with a bad back, I'd be absolutely a hundred percent pissed off at him. So, um, but as far as like, you know, impact relationship, I don't think so. I think it was just like trying to get us better and, you know, just worry about getting healthy. That's all he really cared about. Yeah. All right. Yeah. How about you? Because this is, you know, you, you, you know, you've now also had to play the reverse side in which, uh, you know, you had to help take care of him. And so, you know, um, you know how, how did that feel from your perspective? How did, you know, you know, kind of working it from that direction? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, like I was doing, I was working, I was like taking care of him. I was like, you know, it, it's like, it's almost like having like kind of like a sick person in your house obviously like a sick child because you're doing everything you want and then like you know for them like you're making them dinner you're you know making sure they're getting enough liquid enough sleep enough medication so I was just running around the entire the the entire couple months just trying to make sure that he's going to get better and um he is so much better like this is going to sound so stupid but he actually can now sit in a chair without messing up his back completely Mm-hmm. It was that bad, Tom. It was that. I was like, we have yeah. this amazing leather seating, and he could not sit on it, like, without it tweaking his back. It was bad. It was yeah. really bad. It was mm-hmm. that bad. I mean, I, what, what they actually yeah. told me, Tom, they, um, his, his physical therapist told me that um, what it was, it wasn't, like, necessarily, like, a collapsed disc. What it was, it was years and years of scar tissue damage on his spine. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question. Where did the scar tissues come from? Um, I think he's did always had kind of back problems. Like, but this is it's been accumulating for 19 years. They said. 
So mm-hmm. it's not something out of the blue yeah. new. But yeah. um, I'm just well, super happy yeah. he's better. Yeah. Well, hold on to that thought. This is Tom Donaldson here. Donaldson Pounds, Coco Konski. We're going to be right back. And when we come back, I want to kind of talk about uh, Fournier, how this kind of impacts relationships, your thoughts on that uh, here on the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Go, Caleb! Come on, hit a homer, Jesse! Go, guys! Hey, did you guys know that kids who play sports earn more money when they grow up? Of course. I, I knew that. Hey, did you guys know that kids who read books have a bigger vocabulary? Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wow, Jinx. <laughs> did you guys know that friendly children have more friends? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's true. I knew that. Did you guys know that winter babies are better at music? Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah? yeah. Pretty obvious. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah. obvious. Oh, hey, guys, did you know that most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid, but they're not? Huh, I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure I knew that. I'm pretty sure you didn't. Parents who really know it all know for sure that their child is in the right car seat at the right age and size. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat to make sure your child is protected. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to Johnson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. And if you want to listen to this show and other great shows, go to the bachelornews.airtime.pro, and you can listen to this podcast. We have a schedule. Get on the schedule. You can listen to it. Uh, our show, you can listen to it about 14 times a week. So if you're an advertiser, think of that. And don't forget, uh, SteamYard, iTunes.com, Spotify, Anchor, and TuneIn.com. You can get catch this show as well. So there's so many ways you can listen to the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. All right. Okay, here's the question I'm going to start with is, okay, yeah, California is opening up. Uh, yep. And so let me ask you a question. You know, how's this, you know, now that you guys are going out, you know, is there a difference now? Maybe then, let's say the past several months, uh, in relationship wise, it's more. You know, it's, it's, wait, as far as what? What do you mean, relationship wise? Well, I, I guess put it this way: you mean now you're out, now you're out and about. Uh, you're going well, out I wouldn't say that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not always out. I mean, I, I probably, you know, like yeah, I'll go out to eat like maybe once a week, but I don't think like I've changed that much. Um, but you know. There, there are always going to be crazies out there. Um, like I told you earlier, um, yeah. we had celebrated our anniversary, our two-year anniversary uh, this week, last weekend on a on Saturday, and we're walking, we're on the street, we have our masks on, like whatever. Like I, if I'm going to wear a mask, I want to wear a mask. And we had some like crazy, crazy old 
white guy, short and bald, and he, like, at first I thought he was lost because the way he approached us, and then he just starts talking all this smack about us, like, oh, why are you guys wearing masks, blah, 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 and then, like, we're walking away from him, Tom. Like, I'm, like, I'm choosing to ignore because I'm not going to engage in people. Like, I'm not going to, I'm just not going to engage, like, you know, waste time. But then he starts following us all the way to the restaurant, and I literally was, like, about to punch him in the face. First of all, like, why are you randomly stalking strangers on the street because they wore a mask? Like, you need help. You need, like, a psychiatrist or something yeah. because if this is what you're doing. You're just, like, randomly, like, hassling people on the street while they're trying to go eat somewhere. Like, uh, just get a life. And, like, finally, like, someone told him to leave. And so he got into, like, of course he got into his pickup truck because, of course, that's what he drives. And he just, like, sped out. And I was like, good riddance. So, well, let me ask um, you, you know, well, let me put this. Well, what are your friends telling you about the, you know, getting out? You know, is there, you know, what's the general feeling that people have in general about the opening up? Are they cautious? Are they going full blast? Uh, are they, what's, you know, you know, what are they telling, you know, what are your friends saying to you on that score? Wait, I'm sorry, what was that? Okay. What I'm asking, what I'm asking is, um, is okay now the things are opening up are people yeah going full blast are you still seeing are people no. telling you they're being cautious you know you know yeah what of are course everyone's saying? being cautious everyone's being cautious like you know we're still being cautious just because yeah. like we got our vaccine doesn't mean any you know we, we could just a little chance you can get it um and so we are cautious i mean we still go out to eat and we still like you know um i haven't really eaten inside um, just because, like, especially if it's too crowded, like, I'm just, I'm just a person naturally doesn't want to be around crowded people. Like, I get, like, a phobia for that. So I'd rather just, like, be outside and um, eat, like, on the patio or something. So um, that's what I'm doing now. Like, I'm going out to mm-hmm. eat. I go out to eat maybe two or three times a week now versus where I never went out before. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, okay, <clears throat> I will weep in. You know, far ahead of the curve in that regard as far as the mask goes. And basically, uh, you know, they're ba- the mask mandate of all intents and purposes is gone, even in the grocery stores and the restaurants. Just, let's say, three weeks ago, they had signs. Yeah. The signs all the signs are all down. So, I mean, I mean, in Iowa, I would say there's more of a return to normality than it sounds like in California, if I'm getting what you're saying to me. Uh, yeah. Okay, now let me ask you this question. Have you had any changes in your lifestyle since the pandemic? Are there things that you used to do that you probably won't be doing in the future? Or you'd be more yeah, conscious? Yeah, I, w- I, I won't. I, mean, no, I, w- I wouldn't say no in the future because you don't know what the future holds. Um, but I think everything's pretty much the same. I mean, like, obviously I'm not going to – if I go to bars, like, I usually go where there's outdoor seating. Um, I've done, I do a lot of exercising now than I was able to do, um, during the pandemic, you know, um, although with the weather that we're having, uh, I don't know if that's such a good idea. I actually, it's been, it's been in the hundreds the last couple of days, which yeah. LA is like insanely hot. It was, it was about like 104, not too long, like a couple of days ago. Um, but I do, I do, I walk in the morning, um, <clears throat> I'll go shopping, grocery shopping. Like I never stood foot in a grocery store 
during the pandemic because I was so freaked out. But um, I'll still I'll still go there. But other than that, no, I think pretty much it's just like, you know, it feels kind of normal. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so let me ask you a question. Are you still wearing your mask quite a bit? What? Your mask. How often do you wear your mask? Do you? Because it sounds like you. Do you wear well, your mask okay, outdoors? So, do you? Is there a well, period? I mean, so I take... if it's a, if it's a, well, Tom, if there's like a grocery store and they tell me if, if it's a place that says they you need to have your mask on, like, and then I'm gonna have my mask on, like, I don't, I'm not gonna bitch about that. Yeah. Um, but you know, like grocery stores or you know the other places. Um, but no, if it, if it's just me and I'm walking my dog outside, I don't wear a mask. Okay. All right. Now, how about uh, Steve's daughter? Is uh, you know, mm-hmm. is, is the what changes? She's have you vaccinated. Seen she 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 she's vaccinated. She's vaccinated, um, but let me. Mm-hmm. Is she getting back to normal? I is think kind so. Of I mean, but but yeah. I mean, she's going to summer camp this year, so she's gone July. She's going to summer camp um, up in San Fran, so that's going to be fun for her. Um, which where she couldn't do it last year because of uh, COVID. Um, Right. But again, again, you know, when I would say April, no, May. Yeah, it must have had to be May. Um, May, she st- she started going back to in school, but the in school was like she there were only two people in her class, and she really liked that. So, and then they would do distance learning um, Monday through Wednesdays, and the rest of the days, like she was at the school in person. So she's kind of so now she'll be in August. When she goes back to school, it will be like full in person. Mm-hmm. Is she excited about that? Sorry, what? Is she excited about that? Oh yeah, yeah. I think she is. I think she is. Um, so you know, we'll see how how that happens, how that goes. Um, I am actually going to be taking a vacation for the first time in like almost two years. That's <laughs> so sad. Mm. <laughs> So I'll be taking her with me. So that'll be fun. Hmm. Okay. Where are you going on vacation? Um, I know you told me once. Yeah, we are staying. Actually, we didn't want to go far, far. So we decided on Big Bear. So we're we can do like fishing and like, you know, hiking and all that stuff. Um, Airbnb is amazing. There's a we found this Airbnb. It's like it's, it's such a beautiful place. It's so beautiful. It's like it's in between Big Big Bear um, and Lake Arrowhead, so it's called Big Bear Lake. And so I'm also going to be bringing Reagan, so hopefully he doesn't get snatched by a bear. That would make me sad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know. Like, like what you about said, you? No, what I mean, are you? What are you going on vacation? Well, obviously we've been to Reno about for cat sitting. Um, uh huh. Uh, that was about uh, at the end of May. Uh, now, mm-hmm. sometime in August, I know we're going to New York. I don't know when, uh, in you know, July, what we're going to be doing. Uh, I know that my oldest is going to be with us for about three weeks. Uh, oh, nice. So, yeah, so I know at the end of August, I'll be in New York for the U.S. Open. <clears throat> and, uh, oh, cool. Because you know, then that's not going to be opening up. And, uh, but beyond that, we're, you know, it's, it's, been, it's still up in the air. So it's going to still be up in the air exactly what, right. you know, what we're going to end up doing, you know, whether we go any place in July or not. But uh, right. it's, uh, 
So well, it's going to be I, that. I definitely will not be going to Vegas in July. I know my parents wanted me to come in July for 4th of July, but I'm like, um, I will not be going to Las Vegas unless it's like under 100 degrees. Sorry. Yeah, I just because I checked the I, te- I, te- I checked the weather and it was like a hundred and like twenty four like a week ago. What the I mm. no, no. Yeah. So yeah, that's, well, <laughs> let me okay. So so okay. Now, how about let's say as far as work goes? Now you do a lot of your work out of your house. Um, I do. So yeah. is it now on your modeling and your marketing side? Uh, are you still doing that right. in the house, or are there going to be yeah. times now that you that you're going to go on live, you know, go somewhere else? Yeah, you know, you know, would you have had an office? Uh, would you be working more and more directly with people? Or are you still going to stay at the house? Uh, no, you know, um, I, I prefer to work from home, um, mostly because you know when when you work from home, it's it's very special to you, and you know, you can do things kind of like on your time and you don't feel like, you know, you're in some strange place. You know, your work is your home. And for me, that's exact. That's very, very true. My work is my home. Um, Some people don't leave work at home. Well, my work is at home. Um, And so I am starting uh, the Magnolia Dog Bakery. um, And we have a website coming very, very soon. Um, It's www.magnoliadogbakery.com. So it is launching very soon. <laughs> I'm super excited. Yeah. Um, we're gonna probably wait about a month until um, until we really start taking orders, um, just to get the flow things. I mean, because it's a brand new business. Um, but I'm super excited because I know a lot of people have expressed interest in what I'm doing and how you know it's just gonna be fantastic. And so I'm really excited mm-hmm. about this. Very. Excited. Hey, now here's it. Here's the other question is, I'll throw back is, okay, you know, Fred, I mean, I know you, you know, before, let's say, now part of this before you met Steve, but certainly before the pandemic, mm-hmm. you guys went out quite a bit. Uh, you had a lot yeah. of, you know, meeting with friends, you know, so is yeah. some of that coming back? Are you basically back yeah, to um, you, Steve, I, or visiting friends? And you're kind of, out there kind of. Well, kind of. Um, in August. Um, I am throwing my best friend a surprise party, and I am going to arrange for all his friends from Arizona to come out and celebrate his 36th birthday. Mm. So um, we'll be doing that. So obviously we'll be indoors by then. Um, yeah. So that's going to feel a bit of normalcy. That'll feel that'll be really nice. Um, so I have that planned. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question because I know I. I know who you're talking about, your, your friend, so we all name names just in case he's listening yeah. to the show. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I know for, I mean, have you had a chance to visit with your friend or friends face-to-face, go out for a cup of coffee? Oh, uh, yeah, that of course, of, of course. I, 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 do that, I do that once a week with him, my best friend, Mike. Um, we go out to dinner once a week, get coffee, you know, we go hiking together. We've never really, like, when he came back from Arizona from being stuck there um, during the real, when it was, like, heavy-duty lockdown, um, we, we started, we started uh, seeing each other again. So it was really nice to see him, and it's always great to be around him. So I'm, like, I was, that's never really been an issue for me as far as, like, when it's lockdown because I know he was vaccinated. He wasn't va- he was He's now vaccinated, but 
I knew he was testing because he works in the film industry and he was on set. And so they tested him at least like once a day. So sometimes they would test him twice a day when you're on set. So um, I had no worry about that at all. Hmm. All right. I mean, like I said, so basically in the relationship side of the equation, uh, there is aspects of normality that's coming back to you yeah. and Steve. And, uh, right. And, and, and obviously uh, you know, his daughter is going to be in camp, you say, in July? Uh, yeah, July. July. Yeah, July. She's coming over in August, and we're going to have a blast. Mm. So uh, I, I guess is okay, is there anything right now that if somebody was to say uh, over the past several months, what lessons have you learned about yourself? In relationship wise, well, I learned. I learned to. I, I'll give you one answer. Do not take walking for granted. Don't take not being sick for granted. Because man, oh man, oh man, those that was hard to get through. That was really hard to get through. So um, I feel like, you know, as long as you have your health, you know, I think that's all that really matters. I truly do. Mhm. And uh, and certainly, I guess the, you know, you know, I, I I guess I mean I really don't have much else to ask you because these are the questions I wanted to kind of to touch yeah, base with you with please. the reopening and with the relationship. And, and, and it sounds like to me though, I mean, you've gone to two of you. You know, have they say the business for better or for worse? You've you've had to deal with both, but it sounds like that you guys would you say you're stronger today than you were oh, two yeah. or three months ago uh, before yeah. his back issues. I think, I think, yeah, I, I would say, yes, we are for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, all right. And uh, so how do your parents like Las Vegas? They love it. Um, mm. They, my mom hates the heat, obviously. Yeah, um, but you probably hated it in LA, right? <laughs> Tom, there's a difference a, between a night. There's a there's Tom. There's a difference between ninety and one hundred and twenty four degrees. Tom. Uh, probably yeah, but ninety is still pretty hot. Uh, and I know you guys have had your shares of one hundreds in L.A. So. Well, I mean, right. I mean, it's not. I mean, yeah. So. I mean, but still, like. That's just insane. It's the heat wave. I can't, yeah. I can't, I, but it's not, but in LA, we don't really have humidity in Vegas. It's humid and dry. Mm-hmm. It really is. Well, so, yeah. I mean, well, go ahead. Well, one last question. No. Yeah. One last to, question. What's up? And that is <laughs> in Vegas at night. Does it cool down? Being that you're in the desert? No, no. I've been, I've been to Vegas so many times. I mean, I'm planning on going in September. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, well, I'll tell you what, um, I'm going so, to stop. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, we're going to stop right here because we're at that point in the show that we have to say goodnight. This is uh, the ladies' night with Coco Konski, relationship evening. Uh, we want to thank you very much to be here on the Donson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Thank you very much and good night.
return to the fallout now over police body cam footage that shows a black man's death in custody in 2019. The video just being released, and now the death of Ronald Green is the subject of a civil rights investigation. Our Chief Justice Correspondent Pierre Thomas is tracking the story. Good morning, Pierre. George, good morning. Yet another case involving the tragic death of an apparently unarmed black man at the hands of police. Warning, what you're about to see is very disturbing. This morning, Louisiana state troopers under intense scrutiny over a 2019 traffic incident that they claim resulted in a high-speed chase. Ronald Green here pleading with troopers in video from police body camera footage obtained by the Associated Press. Green, only 49, died that night. And questions are mounting about whether his case involved excessive force. In clips of a 46-minute video, police seen tasing him, punching him, and at one point dragging him by his shackled feet when he's already handcuffed. The Green family has been demanding justice, claiming a cover-up. As a family, it's tore us apart. It's tore us apart. We do all that we can to just maintain our sanity. Uh, it's so hurtful. It's so hurtful. Police initially said that Green died from injuries after crashing into a tree. But in audio obtained by ABC News... One of the officers involved in the incident suggesting a different story. The coroner reported Green's death as accidental, the result of a heart attack. Louisiana State Police are declining to comment, citing an ongoing civil rights investigation. They are calling the release of this video unauthorized, George. And Pierre, you also have the results this morning of an investigation due with our own stations into police diversity. George, we found that police officers in most metro areas were not as diverse as the communities that they serve. In 99 of the country's biggest metro areas, the share of police officers that are white is larger than the percentage of white people in those communities. That's according to our detailed analysis of census data. And in six of those American cities and the surrounding metro areas, including Pittsburgh, Knoxville, and Spokane, the census data showed that nine out of every team, 10 police officers were white, George. And Pierre, significantly, when police departments are more diverse, arrest patterns change. George, in metro areas where police were 90% white, black people were five times more likely to be arrested than their white counterparts. But in metro areas where people of color make up at least half of police officers, black people were arrested at only two times the rate of whites. George, the rate of black arrests was cut by more than half. Hey, we want to welcome everyone to another episode of You and the Law podcast show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We're glad that everyone is able to Tune in and join us uh, as we uh, talk about a topic uh, that is uh, really needs to be talked about in, in, in the law enforcement industry. And uh, uh, with our listeners, uh, you just listened to a audio thousand and nineteen uh, outside of Monroe, Louisiana, invo- involving um, a gentleman by the name of Ronald Green. Uh, with the Louisiana State Troopers, uh, and he was unarmed. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of questions surrounding the uh, cause of death with uh, Mr. Green, and um, there's been some misleading information that has come out of uh, the investigation so far, but this incident took place in 2019, and it's just now coming to light uh, because of a um, – lawsuit that was filed against the Louisiana State Troopers uh, for them to release uh, the body cam footage of that incident. So we are going to talk about 
the pervasive misconduct and corruption within uh, policing. So with, I need to introduce my good friend, my co-host, who sits next to me, Chief Keith Humphrey. How you doing today? What's going on, brother? How you doing? I'm good, man. Thank you for asking. Oh, man. Hey, you know, you definitely got to make sure that everything is going out. All right with the with the swag, man. Everything's going fine, man. Just uh, you know, just um, working hard each day, man. Trying to trying to make an extra dollar. We're trying to get in the uh, socioeconomic status of you and our producers. Well, yeah, man. Hey, Keith, we got a a, a good to- a topic that um, uh, hopefully our listeners will definitely. Um, tune in and, and listen to the podcast show about and you know we want to let you know if you uh you know if you want to call us and let your voice be heard you can call us at 646-929-0130 uh, or you can hit us up in the uh, chat room at uh, blogtalkradio.com backslash la bachelor or you can also follow us uh on facebook at you and the law one and you can leave your comments there and we'll definitely Get to your comments in the chat room, or if you just like to come on air and let your voice be heard. If you got some comments, uh, definitely call at uh, call in number at six four six nine two nine zero one three zero. But Keith, you know that audio clip that we just heard. I, I, when I listened to it, uh, preparing for the show, I mean, it was just real disturbing to see that we continue to see incidents like this happen across the country where. Um, uh, police officers are 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 sticking together, uh, and 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 and, doing, and and this is why so many people, especially in the black community, uh, just don't trust what police officers are doing. And I think incidents like this in 2019 uh, just really um, highlights the unfortunate uh, situations that's going on in in law enforcement. Yeah, Virgil, I don't know how much more, uh, I just don't know. I, I don't know how much more things we can we can take. Um, you know, we're hoping, I don't like having shows like this as far as these topics. I love having the show, but I don't like talking, having, discussing this topic over and over and over again. Um, you would think by now we would learn that there are things that we just shouldn't tolerate, won't tolerate. And uh, that we'll be transparent on, and it's just things that we don't continue, continue not to learn. Yeah, and, and you know, Keith, and I think one of the another disturbing thing is the fact that you know this took place in 2019, and so many things have happened since this incident has occurred. It, uh, be specific, this incident took place uh, May the 10th of 2019. And so we've had the, the death of, of George Floyd. We've had the the death of of uh, Breonna Taylor, we, and and so many others that have been uh, in the news. That you know, you have to ask yourself this question. You know, are do and this is whether it's a small percentage of people in law enforcement or just the whole. Uh, group of law enforcement do people really realize that there is this 
big spotlight on policing, whether you are a state trooper, whether you're a municipal officer or a county sheriff, what you do is a spotlight on you, and it becomes a national spotlight. And this is why so many people in the in the minority communities don't trust police officers. And Keith and I, you know, I think this goes to an, another uh, deeper conversation is about um, when law enforcement tries to build these positive relationships within the communities, uh, incidents like this happen. What do you think, how does that impact uh, what agencies like Little Rock Police Department is doing or other agencies are doing uh, to try to build positive relationships with their communities? I think it, 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 it sets us back, and then some parts of the community continue to uh, just basically shut down, and it's very difficult to uh, penetrate the trust uh, of, of, of those communities. And it doesn't matter the, the socioeconomic or the, the ethnicity of the group that you're talking. It's the fact of, uh, especially if your organization has a history of this, and so, um, so take taking take into consideration the organization may have a history of this, and taking into consideration of what's going on in your specific state. Because I don't think there's not, I don't think there's been a state that has missed this type of uh, concern or these type of activities, and then put on the national scene. It's very difficult to overcome that. Uh, it, it's, yeah. um, it, you know, it, it's very difficult. It gets to the point where people are saying, "I, I don't." I don't want to hear it. Yeah, exactly. Well, hey, Keith, man, we're going to uh, – coming up on taking our first break, and we're going to take this break, and we come back, we're going to get back into the conversation about the topic of the show, which is pervasive misconduct and corruption within policing. But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Greetings and great day, everyone. I am Elder Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe radio broadcast from Maximizing Life Family Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Hey, we want to welcome everyone back. We 
want to welcome everyone back to you and the Law Podcast Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. And we want to remind you, if you're a first-time listener to the show, uh, that the calling number to the show is uh, 646-929-0130. And definitely come online and uh, let us uh, hear your uh, your comments about the topic that we're talking about. And uh, the chat room is all, is also open. You send a uh, message in the chat room. We'll definitely get that message. And uh, you can also follow us on our social media platforms. You can follow us on Facebook at you and the law one. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at you underscore and the law. And you can follow us on Twitter at you, the law one. So you definitely have uh, a lot of different uh, social media platforms to definitely stay in touch with us on you and the law. And we also want to remind you that there are uh, many other great shows that's on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, some of those shows is the Bachelor News Radio Show with host L.A. Bachelor uh, that comes on Monday and Thursday from uh, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at blogtalkradio.com backslash L.A. Bachelor. And uh, the Donaldson Files, which comes on right before us, that's the Donaldson Files with Tom Donaldson and Coco Konski, uh, they come on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday from uh, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, so definitely uh, follow all the other great shows that's on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, but, we, Keith, we're going to get back into the, this topic of the uh, the misconduct and corruption in policing. And, I, you, know, I th- you know, when people think of the topic misconduct and you put corruption with that, and I th- you know this is coming from the the standpoint of like this incident that took place in uh Louisiana where uh Mr. Ronald Green was initially they said that he died from a result of a car accident and the uh even the people at the hospital questioned how his injuries were but the the doctor basically said he died of a heart attack. Uh, and then the Associated Press gets uh, a copy of the uh, body cam footage that shows the troopers were uh, using stun guns, they were punching, they were dragging uh, Mr. Green. and But there was a collective effort with these state troopers to get their story straight Um but they they had to have known Keith that there there is body cam footage of this. Well, I will I will tell you that I think when people get caught up in the moment, I think that they forget about that. And I think if they're depending on what their state open record, because I think one of the things that I heard the media say was that the only thing that the the troop the um, highway patrol could say that that the the video was released inappropriately or illegally. And my thing is that should be the last thing that you should be seeing uh, when your organization is under investigation for an excessive force incident. Uh, that's, that's the thing. I mean, it, that right there shows you that there's a, there's a culture of uh, we're above the law or there's a culture of uh, don't, don't question us. Don't ask me anything related to what we do. Just let us do what we do, and, and you'll be okay. So that that's concerning to me, very concerning. 
Yeah, and, and you know, again, it just goes back to the the openness and the transparency of law enforcement with the public, especially when the the public is the one who has, uh, you know, their tax dollars is the ones that's paying for this equipment, uh, whether it be body cam footage uh, or in-car camera, you know, those things are purchased with taxpayers' dollars, and uh, so the public has a right to to know what's going on with police when these questions do come up. And uh, we've seen time and time again where there has been this collective effort to cover things up and not be transparent with the public. And, you know, it, it just when you have high-ranking officials who continue to uh, allow these type of things to happen, then you wonder why uh, people in, in the minority community, uh, they really could care less what individuals have to say, and they wonder why there is such a poor relationship with, that they have with the minority communities. And, you know, throughout this show, Keith, you know, this is not – we. Just, We'll be talking about various other things as well, but with this here thing that also this, that really caught my attention, Keith, was the fact with this specific troop, they had a very low percentage rate of of minorities working out of this out of this troop division, and so you know that also goes into the conversation about how diverse is law enforcement trying to make sure that they are hiring minorities uh, and not having this, you know, effort to say, well, we try to hire some, but they don't apply or they don't meet our standards. But, you know, you know Keith, I think, you know, just to be honest with our listen, I think there's, there, there's been a effort to really – prevent minorities from getting into this field uh, because there's a lot who would like to get into this field, but there's been an effort to make sure that a certain percentage does not get into law enforcement. I, I, I could be wrong, but that's just my point of view about it. Well, let me say, let me say this, Virgil. Um, I, I think what the listeners need to, to know what I'm hearing you say is that um, that we don't believe. Well, let me just say this. This is what I believe. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be an optimist, but I'm also be a realist. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think okay. a lot of organizations don't know how to. They don't want to be humble. They don't want to say we need to hire or we want, we want to hire. Not that we need. Say sometimes we need to. Uh, that that we have a desire to hire minorities. Uh, they worry about how that looks. They're worried about if they don't hire, a certain amount of minorities are going to be sued. But what they don't understand is it's okay to say that. Law enforcement is one of the few professions that, you know, you should be able to say it in any organization we're looking to diversify. But law enforcement, your communities expect you to say 
that we want more minority representation in our organization. Our organization needs to resemble our community, that we haven't done a good job in, in, commuting, uh, in, in, in our recruiting efforts when it comes to minorities. What's wrong with saying that? Uh, when you don't say that, it does send the message that you don't care. Uh, it, it does say, you know what, that's not an easy topic to have, to have. But, you know, in 2021, it should be an easy topic to have. It should be a topic that you should be able to have openly. And some people yes. just believe you can't. And, and, and so that's why it goes back to we have such a hard time convincing um, citizens uh, that there is not extreme racism when it comes to law enforcement, just because of some of the things that we do or we, that we don't do uh, or that we're not open about. And, and it's, it's, it's a, it should be a proud moment for a team, for any organization to say, we welcome everyone, and we would like to see our organization diverse, and we would like to see that we're going to more organizations, HBCUs, more job fairs where we have a, a high uh, Hispanic population, Asian population, more females. Why not say that? What's the big deal about saying that? And then when you, and then when you open it up, you've got to have a process in place where you're not trying to force people out. Basically, mm-hmm. you're trying to purposely not allow people to be successful in getting into your organization. So, you know, it's, it's one thing to have an open, open policy, an open-door policy, but then it's another one to have the informal process of where you're purposely trying to uh, eliminate people. Uh, based on their sexual orientation, their their gender, their uh, uh, their 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 their, their, um, their race, and things like that. That's where the problem in itself exists. Yeah, well, and also Keith, I think uh, you know this also uh, impacts those who, when you hear about these uh, stories that happen in uh, Monroe, Louisiana, uh, this. How, how does that impact individuals who says, hey, you know, I thought about applying for the Louisiana State Troopers, but, you know, after reading this here, man, I, I, I don't want no part of that type of, of law enforcement agency. And, you know, they either decide to go to another law enforcement uh, agency or they just decide not to even get in law enforcement because, you know, when you read something like this here, how – uh, these guys got together, and even a, a high-ranking uh, trooper, how he, you know, mislied to investigators and said, hey, you know, he didn't have any kind of video footage, uh, but as it turns out, he had over 30 minutes of body cam video footage uh, related to this uh, arrest. And so I think individuals, they – this is a profession that is supposed to be a professional profession, Keith, that so much integrity is put into, you know, how professional it is, how uh, crisp and clean uh, this profession is, especially on a, on a, on a state troopers level. And I think, you know, oftentimes, uh, you know, since I've been in law enforcement, you know, so many people look at state troopers as if they're just a high, they set a high standard of excellence. But when you hear about stories like this, Keith, you question that high level of excellence because in this here, it's not, 
something that uh, that you would say is just across the board with this one state agency, but you you have to look at the culture of the agency and the culture of the troopers that felt so comfortable to basically just, you know, beat this man to death and to say that he actually died in a car accident and then his family discovered he didn't die from the result of a car accident. He died from the result of these state troopers on on the side of a road on a dark road in Monroe, Louisiana. Well, you, you asked the question earlier. The first part of that, I think it. I think it, I think there's two things that happen. You're going to have that group of of, of, of citizens who are basically going to say, "I don't want anything to do with law enforcement." Uh, you're going to have that group to say, "Hey, I can get there and I can make a change." Uh, yeah. You're going to have those individuals. I mean, that, those are the two groups that you're going to have. Or, well, there's one more. Or are you going to have those hey, individuals hey. say, hey, man, I really – yeah, go ahead. Hey, Keith, uh, I just, we're just coming up on our next break, man. So let's let's take this break, and when we come back, we'll definitely get back into that uh, discussion about uh, – uh, individuals either getting in law enforcement or getting out of law enforcement. But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Now you can increase your yields by using Conklin's Guardian slow-release nitrogen additive. Guardian holds your nitrogen in the root zone where it's needed over a longer period of time. That, in return, can reduce your nitrogen rates. That saves you money. And whether you want it in a dry or liquid formula, Guardian helps in reducing groundwater contamination, too. So save your money and be a good steward all at the same time by using Conklin's Guardian. Bachelor News Radio Network, WCOM and Chapel Hill, LA Bachelor, 646-929-0130. The number to get in touch with us, the chat room is open as well. If you have a question and you're online, you can ask the questions there. If you're on the line, I will screen the call and ask if you have a question for the Chiefs, and you can do so. As we go back to Chief Keith uh, Humphrey and, and Virgil Green, Guys, I, I think the one of the problems with with the corruption part of this and the cover up is that the other element is the boldness of tra- of of not covering up. We've seen so many videos on social media media of, uh, quite frankly, white cops just basically saying, "I'm going to do what I'm going to do." Smile for the camera. I know one cop. He was intoxicated, and he was just going off on a guy. Um, and, of course, he didn't really get disciplined that, that much. Um, then there was another cop who actually told the guy to get out of the car. They said they smelled marijuana. He didn't. Guy refused. He said he wouldn't give up his ID. Long story short, the guy was filming it on his phone. 
Cobb gave him counter to three, two, one, and pulled him out. He said, and "He said, um, get ready for some drama or something, or show like a, a la Donald Trump." Um, that happened a few years ago. He just lost his job. He just lost his job. So you know the corruption and the cover up. We get it, but to to Chief Humphrey's point, people are a little numb to that. Uh, especially when you have cops, white cops being very bold in their racism, in their arrogance, in their brutality, and their, you know, I, I'm a cop and you're not. So I would like you guys to speak to that. I know a couple of my friends were talking about uh, if you could speak to the boldness of some cops that makes it just as bad for the brothers like yourself doing a, a terrific job. Well, I'm I'm gonna say this, LA, and, and I, I know where you where, you know what you're saying, but I, I want everybody to understand there there's there's officers out there that look like us that that do just the, uh, that that have no passion for for citizens. Uh, oh, and you're right about uh, that. Yeah. I, I see yeah. that oh, in my yeah. neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. yeah. my neighborhood so, growing and, up. And so, right, and and so and so, but I think what happens is, man, it goes to the point of you know, a person sells their soul. For the badge, uh, it gets to the point of a lack of in, in emotional intelligence and a lack of, uh, you know, the bottom line is, yeah, I tell people all the time, those those cops that are bullies are those same boys and girls that may have not been very popular growing up or in high school. Uh, that's those individuals. A lot of them are, uh, and so you take that individual who now has a little bit of an authority. Uh, and when uh, and there are those individuals out there that believe you, you do what I say just because I'm because I'm the cop, uh, and they lose control. Uh, it, it's all about that lack of emotional intelligence and that lack of of, of being, um, you know, basically trying to prove uh, your manhood and your womanhood because you've got a gun and a badge on. And that's what gets us in trouble. We just we we we, we realize we, we fail to realize what the purpose of our job and we think our purpose of our job is to dictate uh and to and to order people around and, and that's not always that's not always the case and, and we forget about that. Yeah, and, and I'll just add to 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 that, Keith, that you know, just you know, we talked on the show, uh a previous show about the psychological evaluation that officers go through and you know you would seem you would think that some things will get caught during officers initial hiring process that would eliminate them from being uh hired by these agencies and you know whether you're black white whatever race you are um that these things should should take place before you uh, or, or even hired that would eliminate you from, from becoming, uh, whether you're a state trooper or an officer or a sheriff deputy. Um, but, you know, just like with another incident that took place in um, St. Louis where uh, this was going on back in 2017 where there was some protesting going on and a black undercover officer was brutally beaten by his own people within his own agency 
and 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 I want to repeat that again because I may have just kind of <laughs> stumbled over my words, but you've got a black police officer in St. Louis who was brutally beaten by officers within his own department, and he was undercover uh, doing the protest, some protesting that was going on in the in the city of St. Louis. Uh, plain clothes. There were many other plain clothes officers, but it is take the officers. One of them is just now being uh, convicted by a jury, and it's been three years after that incident has happened. And so you you've got you've got black officers who, I mean, you got white officers who don't respect black officers. You've got black officers who don't respect white officers, and so you've got a a mix of of just a pot that's stirring key, where uh, then you've got black officers who don't treat black uh, citizens with respect. You've got white officers who don't treat uh, black citizens with respect, and so the bigger question is from the community is that who. When I get pulled over by the police, how can I trust that they're not going to uh, violate my rights and where I'm not going to end up like another George Floyd? First, you know, let's, let's, let's go back. You know, and, and, I, and I want people to realize that we, we have to realize we're dealing with humans here. And, we, and we've got to stop yeah. thinking that police officers are perfect. Now, now, should we be above reproach? Absolutely. Should we know right from wrong? Absolutely. Should we know that we don't violate people's civil rights? Absolutely. We should know that. But you're dealing with human beings, and, and it doesn't surprise me when you when people tell me what a human being does. But I will tell you this. If we don't learn anything else or haven't learned anything else, the community still wants us in, still wants us in their lives. They still believe in us. The vast majority of the community still believes in us. But I'll tell you what they're tired of. They're tired of continually getting slapped in the face uh, based on the fact yeah. of they're tired of being, appeared to be looking like uh, a fool because, man, you know, we, we want to trust you. You're saying you're here. But, man, when you keep seeing these things on TV and radio, and then you get, then it comes down to the point to exacerbate it. It comes down to the point of that's something that happened two years ago. And here I am as a police chief. I try to push stuff out as soon as possible. We had an officer-involved shooting, and within the next two or three days, within two or three days of the incident, I had it out on um, on our Facebook and, and out on the media. Uh, but it doesn't help that, you know, this is something that happened two or three years ago or longer, and it's just people believe that we're trying to hide something. That's what makes people feel as though they can't trust us because why is this, why has it been four years? You know, it goes that back yeah. to that little girl or, or, or social media hadn't been around. What kind of story would have been told regarding uh, George Floyd? You know, what kind yeah. of story would have been told with Sandra Bland? I mean, those are the things that people are asking, man, dang, does it take video cameras or witnesses to, to get this stuff to stop? And even though you have witnesses and, and video cameras, it continues to go on and on and on. But recruiting is the part of is, is the solution, man. You, we got to we got to figure out a way to recruit the right people. We we got to. Yeah. Hey, Chiefs, we well, got a it, question um, from uh, Herbert. 
in California that said, well, he actually made a comment. He wanted to make sure it was accurate that um, more black law enforcement um, when involved with, uh, he said, you know, uh, police shootings or any kind of uh, misconduct um, are likely to lose their job faster than their white or other counterparts. That was his question comment. He wanted to see if that was accurate. And then uh, if I could just add, if you guys could respond to this too, the, the, the fact is that I get it, you know, black officers do it uh, too. Um, to, to Chief Humphrey's point, like I said, growing up, we had black officers who come in our neighborhood just to harass for the sake of har- harassing, look just like us. So I, I agree with that. I think the difference is that to Herbert's question comment is that a, they, they're not really on Facebook or going on people's phones saying, watch the show. <laughs> and B, if they, because they know if they do get busted, it's being recorded, then they probably be more likely to lose their job, to Herbert's point, um, Chief uh, Humphrey and Green. Well, you know, I'll say this real quick, Keith. You know, uh, and thanks, Herbert, for listening to you and the law on the on the Bachelor News Radio Network. That, you know, uh, when you talk about the difference between black officers and white officers, how quickly they're uh, either terminated or face charges. Just go back to the incident that took place in Minneapolis with the uh, white with the black officer who who shot and killed the uh, white lady who approached the police car. I mean, it didn't take this long, you know, one year investigation, two year investigation. Uh, he was uh, arrested and charged, you know several weeks after this incident that took place and he was later convicted by a jury. And so you have to ask yourself, just like the question that, uh, you know, our listener just asked, you know, black officers are, are treated differently and versus how white officers are treated. And Keith, that's another topic that people will argue with you about and say, Oh no, you're wrong. There's no, you know, everybody gets treated different. Man, come on. Reality is reality. And I think this is a problem that that is within the, the culture of policing is the fact that we are not facing reality. We want to paint this picture that it looks good, but on, up underneath it, you just turn one page. You ain't got to turn four or five pages. You turn one page, and it's a completely different look. Yeah, we just got a reality is reality, man. It, you know, it's not the same. And, and it all depends also on who's sitting in that chair and the culture that's been established uh, in that organization. So, um, you know, that's why you see a lot more departments going to discipline matrix uh, so that it is as equitable, hopefully as equitable as possible. But I will tell you, man, in this in my thirty some years, I I, I I have seen some discrepancies and I've seen some uh, uh, inequities uh, when it comes to discipline. Uh, I've seen it with I've seen it with minorities. I mean, I've seen it with um, minority. I've seen it with females. Um, you know, I've seen that, and, and it, it is what it is. I mean, I've seen things slip under the rug, 
and those are the things that get, make it hard for us. Those are the things that make it extremely hard for us. Yeah. Well, and you know, in 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 your 30-something years and in, in our combined almost 60 years of law enforcement experience, Keith, you know, when you look back 20 years ago and you see the same type of, of of corruption or the same type of misconduct happening, uh, you have to ask yourself, you know, how far ha- has law enforcement really come? But, Keith, we're going to take this break, man, and we're going to come back and get back into this topic about the uh, misconduct and the corruption in policing. But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Beyond Healthcare is an in-home healthcare agency focused on providing high-quality service and customer satisfaction for our clients while providing a professional staff that meets all the client's expectations. With over 11 years of service in the industry, Beyond Healthcare Agency goes above and beyond the personal needs of our clients by taking a deliberate approach and interest in making sure all the needs of the client are met. Whether it's Medicaid-related issues, communicating with their caseworkers, and so much more, we assist clients from medical transportation, meal preparation, hygiene and grooming to just being a companion in times of need. Medicaid, private pay, and long-term insurance accepted. Daily or weekly care are available upon request. Beyond Healthcare, 2617 Chapel Hill Boulevard, Suite A in Durham, North Carolina is affordable, reliable, and insured. For info, call 919-249-5753. You can email them at homecare at beyondhealthcare.info or visit them at beyondhealthcare.info. Beyond Healthcare Agency, we go the extra mile. Welcome back to the You and the Law broadcast. Chief Keith Humphrey and Chief Virgil Green, the best in law enforcement topic and discussions. We're talking about misconduct and um, corruption in policing. If you have a question for them before they get out of here, 646-929-0130, the number. Our chat room is open. You can hit them up on their Facebook page, You and the Law 1. Um, and of course, you can email me at labachelor40 at gmail.com. As I go back to the best chiefs I know, getting it done, Chief Keith Humphrey and Chief Virgil Green. Well, hey, we definitely thank thank you, LA, for for thinking that we are the the best chiefs that you know. We definitely try to. Uh, not just do, we definitely try to do a good job of making sure that uh we keep our audience informed and that the topics that we talk about is is relevant to what's going on in in the minority community and and just being real Keith and I think you know uh some people who especially in the law enforcement industry may listen to our podcast show and say all oh, you guys are are just against how can you guys be against the police and you're the police? And I think, you know, uh, you know, my comment to my reply to that, Keith, would be that this is about facing reality, uh, being 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 real, being honest uh, with the fact that there are things that 
happen within policing that should not happen. And if you do not talk about those things, they are uh, – it's just like, hey, well, there are some things we want to talk about, some things we don't want to talk about. I, I just think these are things that – they're tough topics. It's like you said, we don't like ha- like having these type of uh, uh, podcast shows, but I think when you talk about uh, just the misconduct and how it continues on uh, – at what point does the industry uh, change and what point does the individuals that's in the industry change, Keith? You know, I don't know, Bert. I, I don't know. Uh, I find myself, I think it's just sort of like a merry-go-round. We just keep going round and round and round with the yeah. stuff. And, you know, I know that, I know that, you know, we, you know, our podcast focuses on honesty um, and, uh, you know, just being open. Uh, but, you know, I think we're limited to what we can be open. About. We're limited to what we can, uh, how long we can be. Well, let me just say this. The more we talk about it to some of the listeners, it seems as though we're making excuses. That's not the case. The case yeah. is we're just as fed up and frustrated as, and we don't have the answers. I mean, we can continue to talk about, federal mandates, we can continue to talk about state mandates, we can continue to talk about proper training, we can continue to talk about proper recruiting, we can continue to talk about emotional intelligence, we can continue to talk about uh, body-worn cameras, we can continue to do that, but it's still, all of those things are in place. And I've mentioned this to L.A., and I've said this before to the listeners, the, 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 the practices are in place. The laws are in place. The the policies are in place. It's the it's the fact that you have individuals who refuse to follow the, the, the rules. Policies exist and you will not do this. There's duties there's a duty to intervene. There's a ban on chokeholds. There's a policy on you will have your body worn camera on. You will not turn your body worn camera off. You will download this information. You will. There's FOIA laws that 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 directs organizations to provide those information that information upon request. There's standards for hiring. There's there's psychological tests. There's there's drug tests. There's 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 uh, EAP early intervention program. All of these wellness programs. All of these things exist. But you can't change a character flaw. When a person has a character flaw and a person thinks they're above the law and they're arrogant and they don't have a sense of respect for people, it's never going to change. Until you can fix those things, it's not going to change. It's not going to change. Yeah. Well, you know, Keith, you know, just like this past week, uh, you know, uh, with the passing of the – federal holiday for Juneteenth, and, you know, over this past weekend, I rewatched the movie Selma again, and, you know, every time I watch that movie, Keith, it, it, when you see the, the march from Selma to Montgomery and what happened on the, the bridge with Martin Luther King and John Lewis and so many others, uh, how the state troopers 
treated black men and black women back then. And when you look at incidents like what took place in Monroe, Louisiana in, in 2019 with, with the Louisiana state troopers and uh, Ronald Green, who is just beaten with uh, stun guns. He is kicked. He is dragged. And you look at what happened in 2019 and you look back at what happened with this march in Selma, it's it's almost identical. It, the, the only difference, Keith, is, is that that was in black and white and this is in color. And, and I think you have so many people that are in activist groups and so many people in the black community who just their attitude is the these got the more you say we're trying to get it right, uh, the more there is police misconduct and police corruption. Well, Bertha, I will tell you that you got we got a couple of questions uh, that we um, you know you know Allen in Alabama asked a, a good question regarding the corruption in inner cities from mayors. That wanted to send the police, satisfy the left and, and Antifa supporters. And, and I will I will tell you this, you know, people keep talking about Antifa and they keep talking about the left. This is not a left or a right thing. This is not a Republican or Democratic thing. This is the fact of the matter is it doesn't matter what you look like, what the political party you are. When you're wrong, you're wrong. When you when you uh, utilize extreme force on someone. Nobody cares what your political affiliation is. The fact of the matter is you're violating someone's rights. So I wish, I think this is the same person that always talks about the left and whatever. And let's just talk about, let's just talk about the things that, that, that are facts. The facts are uh, people who are Republican and people who are Democrats, officers who are Republicans or Democrats, it doesn't matter. They commit, they violate policy. They, they utilize extreme force. So let's don't make this a, a political thing. The fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter what you look like. If you violate somebody's rights, you're wrong. Um, and, 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 you know, when we start talking about uh, defend the police to, 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 you know, you can't defend wrong. I mean, when you're wrong, you're wrong. I, 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 just don't, I just don't get what people are – I just don't get it. I don't get why yeah. people always make a political stand against it. So, um, you know, corruption is corruption. Uh, and, yeah. it, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. It's wrong. And, and, exactly. and, and at the end of the day, let's stop making, let's stop making a political uh, platform out of, out of right or wrong. It's just wrong. It doesn't matter what you look like, socioeconomic. Wrong is wrong. Quit making it about politics. Yeah. Well, and, and Keith, we got a, another question from Lisa uh, who said, how do you expect police to do the right thing when you have politicians who won't even pass the George Floyd bill who was brutally killed by officers? Um, you know, and Lisa, uh, definitely thank you for your, your, your question. Uh, and my comment to that would be, uh, Lisa, that, you know, whether you pass a George Floyd bill uh, which, you know, hopefully the Senate will pass this bill and, and make it into law where uh, uh, the president will sign it. But 
you, you don't really need to have a bill to make police officers do the right thing. I think police officers know coming before they come into this profession what is expected or the expectations of being a police officer. And once they get into this profession, some of them enter into the profession with the wrong uh, thought process in the beginning, and you can never change that individual. Uh, And so it goes back to a, a comment that you made early in the show, Keith, about uh, recruiting and and hiring the right individuals, and you know I made a comment on on the show last week, Keith, about uh, even individuals who go through all of the background investigations, the polygraph exams, the psychological exams. They even years after they've been on the department, they have. Uh, there's things that have happened where uh, they have violated uh, citizens' rights. I made reference to uh, an incident that gained national attention uh, here in Oklahoma City where a a police officer was uh, arrested and charged with uh, being black women while he was on duty in northeast Oklahoma City. And this went on for, for quite some time. And so you know, I think, Lisa, to your question is the fact that it, it shouldn't take the George Floyd bill to get police officers to do the right thing. This is a profession where you put on the badge and uniform every day. You are expected to do the right thing. And if you don't want to do the right thing, and if you have a, the attitude of it's me against them and I, I can do whatever I want to do, then you need to need to go flip burgers at you need to go work at McDonald's or, or or somewhere where you don't have the ability to dominate and control citizens uh because that's not what this this profession is about hey guys I, I just wanted to clarify um if I typed it wrong from the chat you know how you're going from chat to text but um the the guy in Alabama was basically saying mayors, won't you call out mayors um, for being corrupt and catering to the left and Antifa? And Lisa was basically saying, if you, you can't change the cops if the politicians ain't doing the right thing. Essentially, that's what she was saying. She texted me like I said, that's what yeah. she meant. Okay. 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 All right. Well, and again, I think you know. The, Everybody has to be doing the right thing, and I think when it comes down to um, to being in this profession, whether you are a mayor, whether you're a politician, there is a level of, of, of professionalism that is supposed to be there. And we know that politicians are dirty, cops are dirty, mayors are dirty, and I think when you call these individuals out and – then you become that the whistleblower who becomes more of you become you you get treated worse than the individuals who is doing the the misconduct and so again i think you know no matter how many times we we talk about this in different ways uh whether you're a politician whether you're, whether you're a mayor whether you're a police officer 
this is the profession that you're in. You need to treat that profession with the utmost respect when you're dealing with people. And, yeah, and so, you're yeah. absolutely right. I, I think people forget the importance of the job and the purpose of the job, Virgil. I've, I've yeah. said that before. And we, we've gotten to that point where you do have those individuals. Uh, but what I will say, I think we're, we're going to see a um, rebirth of law enforcement, and I think you're going to get a group of individuals in here that are in the profession that really want to make a difference. I mean, I think with everything for, for young for young adults that are getting into the profession now, I really believe I'm optimistic that they're getting in for the right reason. I think there's going to be a, a these are going to be the individuals. I've seen from our young recruits the questions that they ask and the receptiveness that they have when it comes to uh, emotional intelligence and procedural justice and and telling their life stories and things like that and being very honest uh, regarding. Uh, you know, what's going on and what their expectations are and how they want to change the profession for the best, you know, um, for the best. So I'm optimistic. I'm I'm, I'm really optimistic that you're not just seeing people getting in the job for for, uh, just to get a paycheck. I think what we're seeing now is we're we're seeing the thinning of, of those individuals, the thinning of the profession where individuals that really want to do the job are coming back to the profession because they know it's not an easy profession. They know the scrutiny we're under, and they're willing to step up and 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 and, uh, and meet that head on. So I'm very optimistic. Yeah. Well, and 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 I feel the same way, Keith. And I, I think also, uh, you know, when we talk about just the the agencies who are are struggling, some agencies are struggling to hire people, uh, and some agencies are are not. And it just depends on you know, the reason, what part of the country you're in. But I think there's a, uh, there's a, a segment of the population that whether, you know, especially minorities who are looking at what the culture of policing is and is this a profession that I want to go to school and get a degree in and, and get into. And, and so especially on the municipal side, I think when you look at the uh, federal law enforcement, whether it be Secret Service or FBI, I don't think they're having the same uh, uh, struggles with recruiting as some municipal police departments are. Uh, Keith, you know, we're getting ready to come up on the end of the show, man. It's been a another great topic, and we want to remind our listeners that if you miss any parts of the live uh, broadcast of You and the Law, uh, you can definitely uh, check out the rebroadcast show at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. That's thebachelornews.airtime.pro. And um, uh, uh, definitely follow us on our social media on You and the Law 1. Go to our Facebook page and like it and share share your comments and your concerns. If you got a, a topic or something you would like for us to talk about, uh, leave that in the comment section, and we'll definitely – uh, uh, put together a show and, and talk about that. And uh, but Keith, it's, as always, man, it's it's great to to come together to to have these conversations about things that are going on in policing. Yeah, man, it, it always is, and I appreciate you, and I appreciate the listeners, and you know, I get very passionate about this topic because I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the 
And I'm tired of, of all the, the silliness and, and things like that as far as, you know, the excessive force and violation of people's civil rights and stuff like that. But because it overshadows the 99% of the good departments and officers out here that, that want to do the right thing. Exactly. Well, hey, man, uh, again, we want to thank our listeners for tuning in and definitely tune back in to uh, to us next week uh, on another edition of You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. <laughs>